0: A listener production. It's Rusty here at the start line getting the countdown for part two of my podcast with World Rally Championship driver and US Rallycross star Chris Atkinson. If you haven't listened to part one yet, it sets up his early years, watching his dad compete, the two wheel influences, trading places with his brother Ben, and being catapulted onto the world stage after only a few years in the sport. So jump back to the library and make sure you check it out. We begin stage two. Part two by reflecting on his time in blue with Subaru and if there was one car that he had a soft spot for.
1: I think the the S12B, which is basically as a car we made, we put band-aids on to make work. The engine was unreal, like the the, the engine was so strong. Like I, they were running six dinos 24 hours a day basically in Japan. Of the engine so the engine was insane um, the times on rallies which are power rallies like Germany and things like that you could do some amazing stage time um, we put band-aids on the diffs basically just made them more aggressive than they needed to be just to hold everything together um, we had fairly basic diffs compared to the uh, the opposition at the time with there some of their clever mechanical differentials which could act like active differentials um, which I learned later on um, and but we we just it, it still was an incredible car to drive so where I'm picking at is like we were missing 0.2 of a second a kilometre or something it's not like we were missing a lot but we just knew that's where it was at um, and I think that's probably the car I got my best results in and most consistent results in I was, I was probably faster in that car than any other car And when I got a lot of stage wins um, you see that car in tarmac spec I, I think there's no almost no better looking rally car like that That 07 Subaru with the big wings, lowered, massive gold wheels. that just looked amazing and was epic to drive. Can you pick a moment? Like there's there's podiums
0: that you've had along the way in the World Championship, more than 40 stage wins. I think I saw you describe to someone once in that competitive nature that you have that, you know, to win a stage of, to beat the best drivers in the world is is immensely satisfying and lots of ingredients have to come together to achieve that. Is there one that sticks out for you where you where you just look back and think, man, that was a joy to drive, just nailed it and, and so on. That may be
1: hard, but is there one like that? Not, I wouldn't almost call it a joy. It's a stage, St. Benet, um, and Stefan actually like it's such a famous old stage. It's up, um, so it's in the Monte Carlo Rally, but it's 400 kilometers from Monaco. Um, but it's it's up in the high land. It's quite often got ice on the roads and snow. Um, they've done it in years in full snow, and the year we did it was patchy ice. So you're on a semi, uh, basically a full slick, but you know you're going to have ice patches. Um, and the time I did on it, I think I took it. Call it twenty-five kilometers. I think I took fifteen or twenty out of Peter and ten to twelve out of Sebastian. Um, and you just knew you pretty much couldn't go any faster. Um, and like there were moments where you just on black ice, just sliding, waiting for the grip to come at the other end at like one hundred and eighty k an hour between trees, and you just on time, and you just like <laughs> so it, fun. No, <laughs> but the we like we just every time we did that stage, and I think I've still got the stage record for it, we just was so quick on that stage. And I think it was that my notes were really good on narrow high speed, um, stages. So I could really commit, um, with super high speed, um, with trees close. So that sort of was my, my go-to stage. Um, and to still hold the record for that, like, I like that you sort of said, it's to be faster than anyone else in the world down that piece of road than they've ever been is such a cool feeling and and that's uh, i used to love that about rallying Yeah, you want to you want the overall result as well um in the in the state in the in the rally but epic piece of road an amazing stage to be faster than anyone else in the world um that's that's a cool feeling what about when it goes wrong chris
0: you know when it goes upside down you know sometimes that's just a byproduct of pushing hard because you you have to do that but has there been one where you thought "Whew, bit bit lucky there or or that that you know just got the heart rate up maybe gave you a little
1: scare was there was there one that sort of comes to mind i i can't say i've ever thought like that um wow yeah even still i think uh, the older you get you come a bit more um cautious in a way you're a bit smarter you don't take the risks um I had a crash in basically the end of the Subaru time in 08 in GB. It was at night. Um, it was icy and rainy um, and it was pretty much a flat corner, a left, right. And I still have no idea what happened. Stefan remembers it. I, I got knocked out um, and don't remember, but basically flat in six gear, 200 something down a hill in the mud and rain. Um, and the car just hit a small bump and went straight right into this wall. Um, and I think it, there's some crazy time it spent in the air. The engineers have on like quite a few seconds flying through the air um, and then it landed straight on my head. Um, so, I broke the cage and, and the cage hit my helmet. I've still got the helmet. The FIA took the helmet and designed the new regulations for the helmets around my helmet. They sent it back, you know, five years later actually say, 10 years ago, there was a big step in helmet design and that was based on my helmet from that accident. And, uh, yeah, I think we rolled seven or eight times, but no one really knows. Stefan said the impact was just insane, basically like 40G on my head and then just barrel rolled. Um, And I don't remember it. I woke up in hospital. Um, So, it's probably a good thing I don't remember it. I'd agree, mate. (laughs) Tell me about the
0: the development in the cars. In that you know you 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 got to play in at, at world championship level in different cars over more than a decade. Subaru prominently at the beginning of your your WRC chapter, but I mean there's uh, miles at the wheel of a, a Citroen. You drove a Mini as well. We touched on Hyundai before. What what you know? How much did the cars
1: change? Yeah, I actually think they went away from. Um, I think I'd be more suited to the current cars. I, I don't think I really suited that next generation where they became small and sort of just mechanic, basically a, a more simple version of a world rally car. My driving styles say more understeering, like relying on the aero, um, things like that, where they they became a car you basically just threw, threw into the corner as hard as you could and just carry the speed that way. Um, but like to, but I got to develop the Hyundai World Rally Car from the beginning as well, um, and like to get to drive the Citroen um, to see like the technology they had developed. Um, that that Citroen was such a, a pleasure to drive, so easy to drive. Um, I wish I had some more rallies in that at the time. And um, yeah, it's it's awesome to look back at that. I think I was at one stage, one of the only people that had driven nearly all the world rally cars at the, the current world rally cars, So that's where I sort of became go to as a, a test driver, but to get back to the level, cause I had been so on and off to get back to that level in WRC, I probably needed almost a full season again to build back up. And that opportunity never really, really came. Um, and that's, that's probably a little bit frustrating to look back at it like that. Why, When Subaru pulled out, there were no seats available. Um, funny enough that Citroen approached me at the end of 08 about leaving Subaru and I guess my loyalty um, kept me there and then uh, I just signed a, a multi-year deal with Subaru going into 09 and that's when they at the end of 08 they they pulled the, the pin um, so yeah that was that was sort of what sort of killed it off there in a way. You probably can't go into detail,
0: Chris, but I mean, would that have meant that you were, you know, who would you have been working with at Citroen at, at, at that, that stage? I mean, that, careers are, are often, there are always stories of ifs, buts and maybes and people don't like to to
1: focus on that. But what was the potential in that for you? Uh, basically, it was just to be Sebastian's teammate there um, on a, a multi-year deal. So it was great to be in that position when you look at the end of 08, then... I basically had two two offers um, going forward and I must have had a year left. I, I think I had a year left on my Subaru contract or even two because um, I'd just signed at the start of that year. So, you could have got out of it, but then also um, we felt like we were turning a corner. We had a new car coming. Um, things like that was going on. So, um, yeah, uh, frustrating, but that's the way it is. Somewhere here, some circuit racing
0: opportunities um, come up too, because I know that I think from memory you've done some miles at Nürburgring. You paired with uh, Cody Crocker and, and Dean Heridge to a second at the at the Bathurst
1: Twelve Hour in two thousand and seven. Did you enjoy the circuit stuff? Yeah, I enjoy it. I think um, it's people ask me this all the time which is a funny question it's like oh would you go v8 supercar racing like i don't i don't have a chance you know to the to go up against those guys they're so good at what they do in each area um, uh, you'd understand this like it's each sport it's same as guys can probably come rallying and will become reasonably good but will they get that last little bit no it's it's that's the the decades of experience and the that given sport and Something like a V8 supercar is so, so unique in that way. And circuit racing, I think when it comes to production cars is is more um, achievable. And even the rally cross car in a way is basically circuit racing. Um, and it's so similar to a rally car, then it's that's easy for me to transition into. Um, like to get to do the Nürburgring 24-hour race, I think that was that was my first circuit race actually. So crazy. Um, yeah. That that was uh such an experience. And like at night with um fireworks going off and everyone's running full um headlights and uh like full rally spotlights. So it was just like an insane atmosphere. Um so then my second race was Bathurst, the twelve hours. So my first two circuit races were pretty pretty decent tracks. Definitely. You did get to drive Russell Ingalls'
0: supercar though. I know I know it may have been a uh you know, a promotional opportunity or something rather, but you did get to sample
1: it, didn't you? Yeah, no, I did a handful of laps, and um, they basically stuck me out straight in a full test day. Like there was thirty cars on the track, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> so I was like, I think I pissed off a few of the drivers out there. Um, but yeah, no, it was good to drive that, and and then I got to drive uh, Michael Patrizzi's Porsche after that, um, and I actually enjoyed the Porsche much more, the Cup car, to drive in the supercar. It's sort of something I could. Uh, feel a bit better and trust a bit more Um, so that was, was something very cool to drive as well If you're ever planning on trying circuit racing for your first time just go on the Nürburgring Trust Chris, you'll be fine
0: Chris, in doing some homework for this, I I loved seeing your name come up in connection with the legendary Ken Block. And there are some cool things um, that you've got to do in, in relation to Hoonigans. One of them that, that springs to mind was you driving a rear-wheel drive Escort with him and having a lot of fun what is he like what was how did that all come about that connection
1: yeah if we met those guys like Travis and Ken obviously through the Subaru connection they were coming down to Mexico to do rally Mexico um with the Subaru America team back then and um and so we did some PR stuff together got to know each other um both Ken and Travis are, are awesome guys um such legends as well um and Ken is just such a, a clever dude as well. Like um, to create what he's created from basically a non-motorsport person is unreal. Um, and he's got great skill and he's so motivated. Like yeah, he's made it happen. But, you know, to start racing so late um, and be so successful and, and he understands it. He, he's just – he's got – he's always thinking. He's always got ideas. He pitches it. Like that's his background with DC Shoes like that marketing sort of promotional side and he just brought it to a rally and he was just having fun um, and yeah to get to become mates with him like I've stayed with him at Park City quite a few times uh, go snowboarding with him so yeah it's um, it's been great to, to have that friendship and then to get to drive some of his cars as well um, that that escort um, we all know how fun and how good escorts sound. And, um, yeah, we just we were just messing around. We were trying to see how long we could hold a drift between like three corners at the time or something <laughs> and what what gear, and that's what some of that footage is from. Like we were just trying to link up these corners and just having a blast. Very cool. I mean, the, the, the,
0: the, you know, the following, the cult following that it has on um, social media and YouTube is, is huge. But in addition to the Escort, what other things, uh, uh,
1: you know, in that garage did you get to drive and what were they like? it was more messing around with just uh like even things like snowmobiles and buggies and things like that i never got to drive the Jim Carner car which is a shame elder um we were there a couple of years ago um and that hoonicorn was there which would have been cool to have a go with uh so i think at the time it was like 1600 horsepower or something um but yeah he's got quite a collection collection together um that Escort video was one of the more fun ones. I've obviously driven his rally cars and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, that was a, that was a good day. And it, it reminds me of, like, a, another moment. I did some work with uh, Tuthills, the Porsche team out of um, England up in um, Sweden. And a guy turned up one day with a BDA Escort um, on the Ice Lakes. And you guys take it, go do as many laps as you want, and like that—that that thing, like lock to lock, like just spinning the wheel off to try and get rid of the the steering. Um, that that sort of stuff is just so much fun. Like it's, and they sound absolutely epic. How did the um, the opportunity
0: to to go to rallycross and to to sort of take on America and and you know keep your rally career going, but blend? some sort of circuit racing with some rallying. It's a really unique discipline,
1: isn't it? Yeah, I'd already been looking at Rallycross as a potential avenue. I was racing in China at the time for VW up there, like I mentioned earlier. And I'd been to America a couple of times and checked out the Rallycross and I I was actually trying to work on a deal with, um, I had a relationship with Hyundai Australia um, and we were looking at trying to get into Rallycross over there with um, Reese Millen. And um randomly, I, I, I'm trying to remember how it actually happened. A guy I know at STI in Japan approached me um, to come to see if I'd be interested in coming to test a rally, rally cross car over in the US. And there was a sort of relationship becoming between Vermont Sports Car who run the Subaru America team and STI in Japan. And uh, STI was helping develop a car to take the – the rally cross car to another level. They were they were sort of struggling in the US a bit, wasn't super reliable and weren't getting the best results. I don't think they won for a few years over there. And um, basically, I came over and it might sound stupid or whatever, but I, I hopped in the, the rally cross car and it was so like a rally car. And, I'm, and I've, I spent a lot of time with this guy, Rob Wilson, in the UK that sort of evolved my tarmac driving. And whenever I get to a super special stage or something like that, and, and I end up winning quite a few of them, I, I really think about his techniques. And and I know a lot of the V8 supercar guys have gone to see him as well. And I just hopped in this rallycross car and I just did the same things. Just drove it, drove around. Um, and my first flying lap, I broke the lap record on the on the rallycross test track they had. And they were like, uh, then Lance Smith sort of pulled me aside and goes, "Do you want to stay in the US?" <laughs> for a few weeks and come and do (laughs) do this next race. So I was like, oh yeah, that sounds, sounds pretty good. I didn't expect that. I didn't even know that it was a, it was actually a driver test at the same time. So the Japanese had me there wanting to test their car and help them with development. And at the same time they had, um, guys come, coming to test car. There was like PK junior, there was Austin Sindrick who races NASCAR. Um, there were some other NASCAR guys and anyway, I, I did the quickest lap somehow. Um, and because it was such like a rally car, you know, I just it it's just hopping it and drive it like a world rally car and it's just got a bit more power. So, I just took that approach and that started that. And that was like uh, the end of, I'm trying to remember, is the end of 16 or 17? Um, must have been 17. And then basically at the end of, uh, I think I qualified on pole on the third race with them. Um, we basically realized again, made made some bandages for the car to try and make it work, and I set it up as a quali- qualifying car, and we we got pole ahead of everyone in that rallycross series, and then they offered me a, a basically a three year deal to race in the US. Amazing, mate, and and super cool cars too.
0: Just share, I mean, for a starter, it, it's it's like a stadium spectacular. It's great for the, the crowd at the venue. It's great for tailor made for television. It's awesome. Some some wicked jumps, sometimes, and things like that in it. But what? Tell us more about that car and and
1: you know, it's uh, uh, you know some of its stats and underpinnings, mate. Yeah, so it's it's loosely based off a of World Rally car. the The initial engines we ran were World Rally car engines, but then um, basically unrestricted, bigger turbos, things like that. They end up um, creating a billet engine for it in the end, um, which was a lot more reliable and more cost effective. They still do have a inlet restrictor on the turbo. So, I'd give a power number of, say, six, 630, 650. Um, but, yeah, so, they're but the torque and the response and- You've got too much power, basically. Anyway, that's your issue. You've got more than enough power there for the grip because you're on a semi slick or basically slick, which is crossing over into gravel and dirt and tarmac, and they're not the biggest tyres. so. It's more a game of managing. You've got all this power. How do you manage it then? But like this, the launches and uh, full credit to Scott Speed when he joined the team. Our launches were a bit unreliable, and he came from the Volkswagen team, and and the launches would they most of the time cane us. But um, the launches are so critical. Like you, it's it's out of control. Like you're six cars wide on a grid. You've all got 600 horsepower, and it's basically who gets the whole shot is most likely to win. So it's just game on on that first corner like it's out of control the noise you got everyone on their launch control like limiters and everyone trying to nail their launch um they say zero to 100 in under two seconds like really it was just over that but with the amount of grip we had like that was still still pretty quick and it's more they just keep going you know they just you just keep picking gears basically you could say you pick gears nearly as fast as you can in when you're accelerating. Like you pick, gear, you pick a gear, you pick a gear, you pick a gear, you pick a gear, and then you're in six gear flat out. You know, it's just like they just keep keep going. Um talk would be thousand newton meters, whatever. Um, and just it's more managing that. They are they are such beasts and so so insane like to to drive. And like I went to heaps of um Subaru festivals over there to put on displays and shows and you could just you do the donuts and the drifts you can do them for an all-wheel drive car are, are pretty cool damn you COVID as well because <laughs> yeah it, t- it turned up at a time mate where you were
0: you know you were really hitting your straps there i mean we've seen you celebrating on top of the car podiums second in the series i think to to tanner faust it was it was um
1: all just going so well wasn't it yeah it's um it's a funny one actually because um yeah it was Actually, that was my last race. I, I did. We won. So, uh, <laughs> it was nice to finish like that um, in full mud up in Ohio, um, which was ridiculously slow uh, racing, but very challenging. But yeah, basically, I was at the end of my contract again, and the series that actually stopped, and the Nitro series was going to come into effect. And if anyone's seen that Nitro series that Travis set up um, with a 150-foot gap jump, like that's that's the future of Rallycross. That is entertaining, so cool to drive, um, and even another level on normal Rallycross in terms of entertainment. So um, that was gonna be the future. Um, I hadn't done a deal yet moving forward and uh, basically when COVID hit. Um, I was actually meant to head to uh, America and do a hill climb for them last year as well. And um, then that it all, all went up in the air and um here we are so i haven't actually raced now for a year and a half which is a bit crazy definitely but you have been kept busy steering things because you've hooked up with
0: um al bors and paul marrick and the guys at car expert and you are their their designated test driver and you've got a you've got a bit of skin in the game here too haven't you are you
1: enjoying being involved in that yeah that was uh that was a great um experience to get involved with them and uh a big thanks to guido Schenken at hyundai said i should go have a, a coffee with our balls and all of a sudden i end up investing in their new business and becoming a performance um editor which is basically just getting to thrash some cars around queensland raceway um every few weeks so very very cool opportunity um, and I love seeing how these guys like operate. They they turn car advice into a $60 million business, sold that to channel nine, um, and now basically have started again, but this is bigger and better and and much cooler. They've got big plans for this business. Um, I think the YouTube channel now is the number one, um, in terms of minutes viewed, um, number one motoring YouTube video in Australia now, and that's in, in just over a year. Um, I just did a video on the Yaris, Um, GR Yaris versus STI so if anyone hasn't seen that go and check it out but I think that's got nearly half a million views already so uh, um, different world for me and a bit bit strange to be standing in front of the camera more natural when I'm in the car doing those things when I have to stand in front of the the camera it's a bit harder but um, you're you're all over that but for me it's a bit bit daunting but um, good fun behind the wheel um, and sort of great to be uh, be a part of that whole team and and see what they're doing I reckon the Chris Atkinson that used to take us for tours of his rally car in the early days when we
0: try to get you to do some crook stuff for our coverage versus the Chris Atkinson I see now on these videos
1: is a very different presenter, isn't he? Yeah, just a little bit. Maybe maybe <laughs> learns a little bit over the years. A little bit more polished than some kid who had no idea what he was doing. That said, mate, the, the
0: lineup, I mean, you talked about Yaris GR versus Impreza. I mean, there's been the Supra, um, I think you're at the wheel of the Ferrari Pista at one stage. I mean, there's been some good cars
1: already that you've had a chance to steer. Yeah, so we've got a, basically a leaderboard set up. You call it like the top gear leaderboard, but we really wanted to make it um, sort of professional. We do like uh, like quite uh, rule orientated. We do four laps, um, tyre pressures are set at like manufacturer sort of standard. So we don't try and mess around with too much. We just keep it as it is and let's see how fast this car is on the track um gd2 rs is leading at the moment um we actually didn't do a time in the pista although that was incredible it was a uh, one of our balls as mates car um and it was just on a, a track day well, i think that will give the the gd2 rs a run for its money um just drove the new m4 bmw the other day which which was absolutely incredible on the track as well um, but we all go all the way down to like um more standard cars like um What have we got, Mazda MX-5s and uh, a lot of the Hyundais, Hyundai i20 and i30Ns, things like that. So we've got a a pretty wide range. I think there's probably about 30 cars on the leaderboard now. We just want to keep growing it and sort of build a place where not everyone's going to take these cars to the track. But the track's a great way to explore the potential of a car and see how they are designed fundamentally. Because quite often, many road cars talk the talk but can't walk the walk on a track. And... Um, And you can really see it clearly when a car, just fundamental engineering is done well. And I've tried to do my stories a bit like a debrief. So, I've taken like the racing idea um, of how I finish a test and I'd, I'd run through components of the car. And I basically do the same in my stories as well. So, I'll run through the engine, transmission, gearbox differentials, suspension, and give my feedback on each of those areas. And, and, and I, I actually wanted to call it like the debrief. That's, that was my sort of idea behind it. Um, I've got to tell this story because it's how I met our balls. Um, I don't even know if we're <laughs> allowed to, to tell I was, uh, we were in, uh, must be around 2014. And um, I was hosting with the Hyundai PR guys, Bill and Guido. Um, we were, we had a few journos over from Australia and Alborz was part of that. Um, a, a lot of other guys you would know as well. Um, Steve Oatley. Um, I took him out on the town in Monaco um, and we had a bit of a party um, which got a bit out of control. <laughs> and, and let's just say Alborz uh, might have ended up in Monaco Hospital <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, and lost his way around town. Um, and I see a message from Guido in the morning that, and I, it just pops up on my phone, our ball's in hospital, where are you? And I was like, <laughs> oh no, what's gone wrong? <laughs> but I think it co- I can't go into too much more detail but I, it's pretty legendary as a PR trip Around the ranks, that's for sure. Awesome, mate, and you've ended up going into business with him. So you must have done. You must yeah, have yeah. done all right. <laughs> must, so, maybe uh, yeah. yeah,
0: he's trying to keep me quiet. Exactly. All right. Couple to couple to finish. Firstly, you're a proud dad now. Three girls. Do they know what dad does for a job? Do they
1: think it's a proper job? Or, <laughs> and are they likely? Are they? Is there any interest in motorsport there? Uh, I guess what was cool was they, we traveled heaps as a family. Uh, we always have, we've taken them everywhere. We, wherever we go, we sort of take them and have, have them involved. So um, we we love doing that um, with them and experiencing that. And obviously then they started to, when I was young, you know, I'd, you know, I'd never have, I hate having people at the races. I was so focused, but when you become more mature, it's sort of like nice to have the family there and uh, the kids there. And then they get to see me, um, win for the first time in what I was doing I don't think they cared too much but you know they they were happy and get to see the trophy and get to see what I do and um, I just think they enjoy they just enjoy the experience of being a part of that and the travelling and, and that's what we try to show them um and it was great to be able to share that with the older two. We've got a newborn now, so she might not get to see much of my racing career. I can look it up on YouTube. The Chris Atkinson school runs, I reckon it'd be a uh, that'd be well worth being a part of. I, but I'm almost the opposite. It's it's funny how because I get the outlet, you know, I have the outlet. I don't. I would just mm. cruise along, you know. I keep plenty of space. I hate hate people taking my space or tailgating me. I just like. Uh, and I never used to get it because Marcus used to be like that because um, he was the uh, sort of older one, Marcus Gronholm, of the, the crowd. And, the, and I'd be on the in the rally car and we'd be racing on um, like recce and stuff between each other. I remember one time in um, in Spain, it was me. So we'd all have these white recce cars, um, sort of plain white, <laughs> dark tinted windows that like, no one could see in or anything. Um, but they were basically a rally car, like full cage, seats, harnesses, quick... Um, unrestricted group end cars basically. And Sebastian was in front, I was in the middle, Peta was behind me. And we are sort of having this race on these back roads, messing around. Um, flat out in Spain, and a cop car came past the other way, and he's put his sirens on straight away, <laughs> and he's he's flipped on his lights, and Sebastian's just like dropped the hammer and gone, and we're, so we're all just going even faster, and uh, we 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 I reckon we did like fifty k, like absolutely flat out, like just on each other's bumpers, and we got to the next uh, next stage to check in for Reki, and Sebastian's like. If he caught us, he can have my job. So, <laughs> he's like, left it at that. Yeah, we, were, we used to run a bit of, I even, well, I've crashed wrecky cars, to be honest, on, in between stages racing, um, which the boys didn't enjoy. But then Marcus would just cruise along. And yeah, Marcus would just be doing 40K an hour in no rush. He had kids, he was relaxed. And I sort of see that now in my own driving. I'm like, just just put the cruise control on. Um, it's It's very, very sedate. Although I would love to, and I really want to take them out on the track. Um, they've done some go karting already. Not that their passion; they're more into ballet and things like that. But um, I, I really, I remember those days of as a you know six or seven year old sitting on my dad's lap, driving the car. You know, learn to drive at ten, le- flying planes at that age. You know, always being you know um, doing stuff like that. And I really try to instill that although it's hard these days, but want to get them riding motorbikes, go-karts, just, just experiencing it. I think it's great for when they get on the road that they they understand it, they understand the risks. Like most people have no idea of the risks, no idea the consequences of what they're doing. Um, and that's probably the most frustrating part of what you see on the road these days. Great piece of advice, mate. That's right of passage stuff that it. it has a –
0: you know, it has a profound effect on you, I think. Couple to finish, Chris, if we can. I was reminded when we went back through your Instagram feed, uh, that very sadly, mate, we lost uh, one of the greats in Hanu Mikula, uh early this year, and and you crossed paths with him. You had you had a bit to do with him, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I was fortunate um, to get to know Hanu. His um, son, Vesa, was my teammate in Suzuki in 2004, um, and Hanu was super supportive um, like just just outgoing encouraging like just a great guy um, just a legend of the sport I got to stay with the family over in Finland when I was over there um, to come from where you know Australia just like I'm gonna go go do some rallying all of a sudden you yeah, spending time with Hanu Mickler is amazing and um, yeah it was just uh, such sad news when that came across um i'd been trying to catch up with Vesa a few times he lives in canada now um and hadn't hadn't seen him for for a few years but we messaged occasionally and um yeah just um sort of devastating news and um a legend that we missed is there one event or one
0: trophy that you're you're most proud of i mean there's um, podiums in the WRC. We've talked about the fact that there there have been more than forty stage wins. I mean, you can add to that that you won, I think, the, the twenty twelve Asia Pacific Rally title as well with with you know in the Skoda for for MRF and so on. Is there one thing that you you're proudest of on this incredible journey?
1: I think um, the podiums in uh, Monte Carlo and Finland would probably just stand out because they're such. Iconic rallies. Um, I would have loved... I led Rally Australia twice um, and would have loved to have won that. Um, that would have been massive and um, a shame that didn't happen. But to, I think to stand on the podium in Monte Carlo, which is such a European rally, a tarmac, ice rally, like nothing um, compares in Australia and to, to have that result um, is, is pretty cool. That's... Um, Something that I'll always remember.
0: Have you kept a competition car of some kind that you have a soft spot for or is there a little resto project in the Atkinson garage? And if so, tell us
1: about it. I would love to have kept a WRC car. That would be my my aim, but I have nothing at the moment. Um, it's something that's always in the back of my mind. Um, there are some getting around, that S12B, the 07 car. If I could come across one of those... Um, that would probably be the the one, but yeah, no, no projects at the moment. Nothing, uh, nothing too exciting. I think I'm that busy with school runs and uh, and going to be <laughs> for the next twenty years that um, <laughs> that uh, that will be my my main focus. And uh, like, even if my career is to end now, I don't know where we're at. Um, then, like, to have race cars for twenty years professionally is amazing, and the experiences and the adventures. Uh, from it, like to, I think I've been to over 50 countries around the world. Like, And it's not just going to countries. It's going to places that you just wouldn't normally go. Um, racing in the Gobi Desert, um, things like that. You just, um, around Jordan, like South America, it's just been, that's just there that some of the highlights for me almost more than the, the racing results.
0: Congratulations, Chris. Some amazing insights uh, along the way and and, uh, you've certainly ticked some boxes that we're all um, very envious of and and we're pleased that you're enjoying um, family life now but still importantly having a steer, mate. Thanks so much for talking to us. I appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Rusty's Garage is written and presented by me, Greg Rust. Series producer and editor is Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson.
1: Listener.